0: and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you will forgive the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most most merciful God, God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his his sake, grant us the remission of all our sins and by your holy spirit increase in us through knowledge of you and of your will and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life through jesus christ our lord amen almighty god our heavenly father has had mercy upon us and has given his only son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all of our sins to those who believe on his name he gives power to become the children of god and has promised them his holy spirit he that believes and is baptized shall be saved grant this o oh lord unto us all amen, amen.
1: my brain. Blah, um.
0: Refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, and especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. The Old Testament lesson from the 50th chapter of Genesis, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all of the evil that we did to him. And so they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, This lesson is from the 14th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, verses 1 through 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, While the one who abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him. "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything.' And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and gave him, forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, "'Pay what you owe.' And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you.' He refused." And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. And so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. We confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles Greek. From them she will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today from the Holy Gospel, the 18th chapter of St. Matthew, these words. And then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. The past few years have seen a number of you being able to celebrate your 50th anniversaries of marriage and that indeed is something for which we should all thank God. Today there's another couple that joins the rank of you, Dale and Fran Jenkins are celebrating their 50th anniversary. We congratulate them for that, 50 years, indeed something to celebrate, reminds me of a couple a number of years ago who was celebrating their golden wedding anniversary and the master of ceremonies for that festive event said 50 years of marriage and you both seem so happy you both seem so content how is it looking he said at the the wife how is it that you could live with this man for so long and be so happy and be so content and the woman smiled at her husband who then in turn winked at her She then stepped up to the microphone and she said on our wedding day I decided that I would make a list of ten of my husband's faults which for the sake of our marriage I would overlook. The MC then asked well will you tell me uh, which of those ten faults was it or what were those ten faults that you chose to overlook and the woman smiled and she answered well to tell you the truth I never did get around to making that list. But whenever my husband did something that made me mad, I'd say to myself, lucky for him, that's one of the ten. (laughs) Now that's an attitude of forgiveness that our Lord would have all of us imitate. That's the the attitude of forgiveness that he's speaking about in our gospel text for today, that forgiving one another comes not a few times, but indeed comes seventy times seven an indefinite number of times, a loving attitude that we would have toward one another, an attitude that St. Paul talks about when he says this kind of an attitude is an attitude that doesn't seek its own it's an attitude that doesn't, he says, seek revenge, it's not easily provoked by the other and it does not keep an accounting, St. Paul says, of wrongs that have been suffered It's an attitude of forgiving love that doesn't keep lists it does not keep lists it's the forgiving kind of attitude that looks at the wrongs that have been done against it by someone else and then rather than dwelling on those wrongs and being obsessed with the wrongs that have been committed and exaggerating them as we so often do out of proportion so that they're much larger than they originally were instead of that it's an attitude that looks when it's offended by another first at its own self at its own sins and it candidly says as it looks at its own sins my sins against God are so far greater than those sins that have been committed against me that now irritate me how can I harbor any longer these unforgiving thoughts toward my brother or my sister when I think of how forgiving God has been toward me how can I harbor unforgiving thoughts when I consider the magnitude of what I've been forgiven by God isn't that what Jesus is saying today even in the parable that he told a magnitude of sin forgiven that's suggested so clearly by our Lord in the gospel when he speaks about the king you heard it the king who forgave his servant 10,000 talents today we probably wouldn't have ordinarily the slightest idea what 10,000 talents would be but a talent as you calculated backwards and work it out was about 15 years of work for a hired servant 15 years of work by on a servants wages 10,000 would be about a hundred and fifty thousand years of labor the equivalent of you owing trillions of dollars to someone today. In fact, Josephus, the famous Jewish historian that lived before the time of our Lord, tells us in his writings that the entire annual revenue from Jewish taxes was only 600 talents. And here this man owed 10,000 talents to the king. What he's speaking about is an unrepayable debt an unrepayable debt that the king forgives and yet how unwilling this forgiven servant is to forgive the far smaller debt that was owed to him by another. That's why Luther says a Christian shouldn't be like that. Christians should should have a different practice Luther says when he sees a speck of dust in his brother's eyes he should go look at himself first in the mirror before he passes judgment upon his brother and then Luther says in Luther's typical and forthright fashion then he says then he will find the beams in his own eye while he's looking for the speck in the other he'll see the beams in his own eye Luther says beams that are big enough to make a hog's trough then he goes on to say my sins are nothing but large oaks thirty feet tall and I allow the poultry motes, the specks of dust in my brother's eye, to irritate me more than my large beams in my eye. This shouldn't be, he says. I must first see how to get rid of my own sins, and this will keep me so busy that I suppose I shall forget about the specks of dust that are in my brother's eye. If only we all would take to heart and then practice in our daily living the kind of attitude that our Lord speaks of in today's text, that Luther indeed speaks of in our relationships with one another. Can you imagine how different things would be if we would do that with one another? So often the wrong that's done to us is little more than a careless word that's been spoken. There was no malice intended. Simply a careless word spoken. Perhaps an insensitivity shown to someone, but no malice of heart really intended someone says something that hurts us but no malice was intended someone does something that excludes us or perhaps ignores us and we wanted to be noticed or perhaps irritates us right away we assume the worst and we assume malice of heart and we overreact in turn and we're ready to jump all over them we're ready to to cut them off even though they were merely careless they didn't have any malice in mind we get so bent out of shape and so upset that we're ready to verbally chew them out or at least cut them off altogether and not deal with them at all. That kind of unforgiving spirit is also an unreasonable spirit. It's not one that's even reasonable. It doesn't really make sense. Demonstrated once again by Luther as he looks at this whole attitude of being unforgiving toward one another. And he writes, if I injure an eye with one of my fingers, I accidentally poke myself in the eye, he says, I don't for this reason become so impatient that I cut off my finger and throw it away. Even though my finger did injure my eye, yet the hand serves well on other occasions and for other purpose, doesn't it? In fact, it serves the whole body. And the same principle, Luther says, applies so far as other members of my body are concerned. I often bite my lips he says my tongue I bite with my teeth but I don't for this reason pull my teeth out we're all through faith Paul makes it clear members of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ the church you may be a finger I might be an eye but because you poke me periodically should I therefore perform some radical surgery of cutting you off and throwing you away? Or I may be a tooth, and you may be a lip or a tongue, and because I bite you now and then, would you pull me out and throw me away? Very practical matters that Luther speaks of here. How mangled and how dismembered the body of Christ would be, how mutilated and maimed marriages and families today too often are, and relationships too often are, because of that unforgiving spirit that assumes malice and overreacts to, to lesser wrongs that are suffered, to exaggerated sins that have been committed. It's one thing to cut off a member of the body which has become hopelessly infected and gangrenous. That we need to do for the good of the body, even as in the church sometimes when there's impenitence in sin and persistent in penitence in sin or when there's false doctrine that's being taught that's going to infect and affect the whole body then yes then in those extreme cases it is necessary to to cut off a finger because it might indeed become gangrenous and affect the whole body but not ordinarily not for the kinds of things of which we speak that's hardly in keeping with the words of the Lord Jesus in our text for today Lord, Peter asked him, how many times should I forget my brother when he sins against me up to seven times? You see, Peter thought he was being extremely generous because it was a rabbinical thought of the time that you should forgive three or at most four times. That's one more than the three. And Jesus says, uh, and and, and Peter, of course, is willing to double that and and says, even no, even up seven times I would forgive. And Jesus says to him, no, not, not simply seven times, Peter, but I'm telling you, 70 times Seven. Seventy times seven. Indefinitely, whether it's seventy seven times, as some versions say, or seventy times seven, as others say, the point is clear of our Lord. Don't get caught up in counting offenses. To count the number of times you've been wronged only nurtures that unforgiving spirit that's just waiting to get revenge. Be ready to forgive. No matter how many offenses you've suffered, be ready to forgive. Treat each other as though it were the first offense and, and think of it as the last. Lest you let it come up in the future and trouble you all over again. Forgive your brother from your heart, Jesus says. Forgive him as Esau forgave his brother Jacob. Remember them in the Old Testament, Jacob who had stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. And then later on Esau comes after his brother and Jacob runs off, fearful and afraid that Esau is going to take his life. And he sees his brother approaching from a distance with 400 of his men, convinced his brother is going to try to assault him. And scripture tells us that Esau ran up to meet Jacob instead and embraced him and fell on his neck and together they wept a brother forgiving a brother forgive him even as Joseph in the Old Testament lesson for today forgave his brothers from his heart they'd thrown him into a pit from which he was delivered and brought into Egypt you'll recall and despite that intent on their part they're forgiven You meant me harm, Joseph says to his brothers who had years before thrown him into that pit and then sold him into slavery. You meant me harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done through me. And here he was at the top echelon of Egypt. The saving of many lives because of it forgive each other as Moses forgave his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam who had rebelled against his authority and then suffered the wrath of God which came upon them in the form of leprosy which covered Miriam's body instantly and Moses cried out to the Lord saying O Lord heal her I pray and he forgave her. Forgive each other as the Lord himself has set before us such a a wonderful example forgiving those who had nailed him to the cross, forgiving us indeed, too, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Be kind to one another, St. Paul says, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. We can't look to the cross, but think of forgiveness that's undeserved and unmerited. Forgive us, God in Christ has forgiven you. That's how he's forgiven you. He didn't wait to provide a sacrifice for your sins until you first had done something to indicate that you deserved it. Even before you were born, before the world was even created, God laid out a plan for your salvation, for your forgiveness, and he set that plan in irreversible motion even before you were born, created, and even knew that you were a sinner. He, scripture says, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, not because of what you've done, but the kind intention of his will. He being rich in mercy, scripture says because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ? Did he withhold his love from you until you first proved that you loved him and then he loved you as a reward? No. We love, St. John says, because he first loved us when we were so unlovable when we were still enemies that's how God demonstrated his love for us that when we were still enemies he died for us in this is love he says not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved John says if God has so loved us ought we then not also so to love one another You see, forgiveness isn't something that you hold in reserve until your offender has proven worthy of it. It's something you long to give him. It's something you long to freely offer, even as God freely offers it to us all. It's a debt that we could never repay, and it's a debt that we never have to repay. The story is told of two friends who lost in the desert, were trying desperately now to find their way out of the desert. During some point of the journey, they had an argument about which way they should go. The one friend said, no, we should go this way, and the other friend insisted, no, it's this way that we should be going. They didn't want to part from one another. And they argued indefinitely about the the way in which they would go, frustrated, tired, angry, afraid. One of the men became so irate with the other that he actually hit him in the face and he knocked him to the ground. And then stunned by it all, the man who had been knocked to the ground slowly got up. He said nothing. He walked a few feet and he picked up a stick. And he simply wrote in the sand, Today my best friend slapped me in the face and knocked me to the ground. As you might expect, there was uncomfortable silence and both rested. Things cooled down a bit, then they got up and they made their way through the desert again until finally with great joy they made it to an oasis with trees and grass and flowers and water, precious water water in which they were eager to swim and bathe and so exhilarated were they that throwing caution to the wind they jumped right into the water the water which amazingly was much deeper than the man who had been hit to the ground knew it would be and he couldn't make his way out of it because he didn't know how to swim and realizing suddenly how deep the water was he panicked and he began to cry for help throwing his arms up and down and all around and his friend who had hit him to the ground now came to his aid and prevented him from drowning getting to water's edge they both lay there exhausted for a time not by the sun but now by the deep water and finally getting his breath back the man who had been first knocked down and then had nearly drowned but had been saved got up he grabbed a hard sharp edged rock and he took the sharp-edged rock over to a large stone and he carved in that large stone today my best friend saved my life and I'm indebted to him forever. And his friend said after I hit you and I hurt you, you wrote in the sand and now you carve in the stone. Why? And the friend replied Wisdom writes the offenses of friends in the sand where the wind of forgiveness blows it all away. But it engraves the charity of friends in the rock where wind can never erase it and nothing can blow it away. Dear friends, no charity ever shown you exceeds that charity. The love of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose forgiveness has forgotten all that our sins put him through as he suffered and died for us on earth and experienced in our stead an eternity's worth of hell. No love ever known excels that which long ago engraved as it were these words upon these hearts of stone. My best friend saved my life and to him To him, I am indebted forever. God, give us that spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join me in the post-sermon hymn. Since our Father in heaven has promised to hear whatever we ask in the name of his Son, we therefore pray for the whole world, for the church, and for all people in their need. We pray. For the Holy Church throughout all of the world, O Lord, that she may rightly and boldly proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that at his name every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who've been baptized into the death and the life of Christ, that we may be enabled by God's forgiving grace to forgive one another, even as we've been forgiven, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who do not know of that forgiveness won for them by Christ, that you would graciously turn their hearts to him, using us as his church throughout the world to bear the good news of sin forgiven, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy for our nation protected for seven years from terrorist attack following the infamous events of 9-11 that you O Lord would continue to defend us from all of our enemies and be the comfort and the aid of those who have lost loved ones at the hands of the enemies of our land let us pray to the Lord Lord have mercy for our president and the Congress that they may govern wisely as they strive to defend our liberties and encourage economic stability and growth in a stable society. For the candidates campaigning for election to the high offices of our land, that they may propose paths for the future that are consistent with your word and your will for our nation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those serving in our armed forces, that you, O Father, would guard and protect and preserve them As they carry out their duties in foreign and dangerous places, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, have mercy. For those suffering from the forces of wind and water and high waves, especially the thousands of victims of the hurricanes which have struck the Caribbean islands and the coasts of our own country during these past weeks and days, that they may find comfort and hope in our nation's resolve to help them recover, to rebuild all that... They've lost and to suffer also with those who suffer because of the disasters that through faith in Christ and his saving work and his eternal promises, they might have comfort in their affliction. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have, mercy. have mercy for doctors and nurses and all others in the health professions who serve the sick who serve, including those among us who are homebound because of physical weakness or suffer from chronic illnesses or are recovering from surgery or preparing for it, that you, O Lord, would grant healing and strength and comfort and hope according to your good will for all of your people that us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have, have mercy for our nation's schools and industries and businesses, that through them employment would be available to all. And for all who are successful in their fields of labor, that they may be enabled to resist the temptations of avarice and greed, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all of our families, that you would strengthen the bonds of love among us and our love for you by teaching us how to forgive one another as we've been forgiven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those celebrating anniversaries of birth or marriage, especially Dan and Fran Jenkins as they celebrate the 50th anniversary of their marriage, that you would continue to bless them with grateful hearts and a common confession of faith, and that love which bears each other's burdens and shares each other's joys, let us pray to the Lord, Lord Lord, have have mercy. For all those who have gone before us from earth to heaven, and especially Amico cox the mother of jc cox we raise our prayer of thanks for the faith in your son that you created within her for sustaining her through her many years and for now bringing her soul safely home to heaven where she rests secure from all of earth's dangers and for all who are saddened by her absence that they may find comfort and peace in the promises of your son let us pray to the lord lord have mercy into your hands O lord we therefore commend all for whom we have prayed trusting in your mercy through your son jesus christ our lord who has taught us to pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses merciful father who created and completed all things on this day when the work of our calling begins anew we implore you to create its beginning to direct its continuance and to bless its end that our doings may be preserved from sin our life sanctified and our work this day be well pleasing unto you through jesus christ our lord amen receive now the benediction of the lord